This series imparts a large volume of information to you, the listener. Sometimes it's hard to absorb all at once. To help with this, I sometimes bring back certain key passages in later episodes to reinforce their value. I hope it helps make the narrative and chronology sink in. I strongly believe that good, important, and interesting content is worth relearning, repeating, recapping, reprising, reiterating, rehearing, resummarizing, and redigesting in various forms. Welcome to Historical Jesus. I'm Mark Vinette. The story of Jesus cannot be adequately understood apart from the world in which he lived. It was a world ruled by Rome. How Rome came to be so central to this story is one of the intriguing aspects of both Roman and biblical history. Indeed, Rome's rise to power intersect at one time or another with events in the tiny Middle Eastern kingdom of Judea. By the time Jesus was born, the political intrigue had not settled in Judea. The transition to Roman rule remained a bitter pill, made more bitter still when Roman governors, accompanied inevitably by Roman legions, first set foot on Judean soil. The world into which Jesus was born was complex politically as well as culturally. Jesus was Jewish. He came from the Galilee. The dominant political power, however, was Rome. The slogan of the time was Pax Romana, Roman peace. In 63 BC, Rome intervened in a Judean civil war, but the peace came at a high price, for Rome now began to look on Judea as a protectorate with appointed regional governors. One of them was Herod. During several decades, Herod consolidated his power in the region and built a prosperous kingdom with numerous alliances. In some quarters, he was viewed as unworthy to be the king of the Jews. Nonetheless, he ruled successfully for over 30 years. Herod gets a bad reputation in both Jewish and Christian tradition. In part, it may be well-deserved, for he is reputed to have been ruthless in removing any potential rivals for the throne even members of his own family. He likely did have a hand in the mysterious death of at least one of his wives and several of his own adult children. These stories of Herod's monstrous behavior are probably exaggerated from much later and somewhat legendary sources. In fact, Herod was in many ways a capable, though tyrannical, administrator. But then, ruthless efficiency was not a vice in Roman provincial organization. Perhaps Herod's most important contribution was the economic prosperity he brought to Judea through territorial expansion, political alliances, and commercial trade. The middle part of his reign saw an unprecedented building boom throughout Judea in public works projects and in monumental public buildings and royal palaces. Two of his building programs are especially important. He built the city of Caesarea Maritima on the coast into one of the most important shipping and commercial centers in the eastern Mediterranean. Eventually, it became the Roman provincial capital of Judea. In it, he also dedicated a temple to Roma and Augustus. Yet Herod was not completely unsympathetic to the religious sensibilities of his Jewish subjects. In about 20 BC, 
Herod also embarked on a spectacular building program to refurbish the temple at Jerusalem. When one reads stories of the role of the temple in events in the life of Jesus, it is this massively rebuilt Herodonian complex that must be envisaged. Management of so large an empire required an efficient system of travel and communication in order to maintain the flow of goods and services throughout the far-flung provinces. Judea, after all, was one of the farthest. It would have remained a relatively insignificant backwater of the Roman Empire had not Herod the Great turned it into a gateway to the Middle East for shipping and trade. His new harbor, Caesarea Maritima, was a remarkable achievement completed with the aid of Augustus's own architects and engineers. Caesarea was a thoroughly Roman city lying within the borders of the Jewish homeland. That, too, demonstrates the impact of the Pax Romana. Roman military conquests and commercial trade helped foster an extensive shipping network throughout the Mediterranean. For overland traffic, Rome developed a system of highways that can still be seen crisscrossing desolate stretches of Judea, Syria, Turkey, North Africa, and Spain. Together, they fostered an efficient postal system for official and personal correspondence. Along these roads traveled soldiers and merchants to the ends of the empire. With them, they carried literature, art, philosophy, and religion. Greek and Roman philosophical ideas mingled with Egyptian, Syrian, Anatolian, Berber, and even Jewish traditions. Governing these currents of interaction, was Roman cultural ideology. It is couched in many different terms and symbols of Roman rule, but one stands out above the rest, Pax Romana. Despite their renown as warriors and conquerors, the Romans coveted peace. However, the word peace meant far more than just a condition of relative tranquility or an absence of outright warfare. Instead, it was the code word or symbol for an ideology. It meant bringing Roman culture and administration to all parts of the world, including Judea. It was a kind of religiously motivated propaganda campaign for Roman life and values. Yet bringing peace might well mean keeping the peace or pacification, that is, using military force to put down disturbances or resistance. As a slogan, Pax Romana carried many of the same resonances as the American slogan from the Cold War era, making the world safe for democracy. It propelled bureaucrats and traders to extol the virtues of Roman rule in the far-flung provinces. At the same time, it compelled the conquered provincials to accommodate to Roman rule and mores as well as drawing many of them towards Rome itself. Bringing peace and empire as beneficent overlords was the Romans' role as well as their right. On the other side, one can imagine that not everyone in the provinces took so positively to Roman rule. The same imperial ideology might easily feel like oppression instead. Such was the case increasingly in Judea, where the memory of self-rule and an equally strong sense of divine destiny fostered revolutionary, apocalyptic sentiments. The civic function of religion was extended under the influence of the Pax Romana, through what is usually called the imperial cult. 
It took the form of worship or divine honors paid either to the emperor himself or to Roma, the personification of the city of Rome as a deity. It had already begun during the reign of Augustus, especially in the eastern provinces. Herod the Great built three temples dedicated to Roma and Augustus in his Judean kingdom. Even during Augustus's reign, traditional Roman religion would have frowned on declaring a living human to be divine. So at Rome, it was more typical to refer to Augustus as Son of God, with God, referring to Julius Caesar, who had been deified after his death. By the time Jesus was born, Jewish culture and religion had changed considerably from what it was in the days of David and Solomon, or Isaiah and Jeremiah. Roman rule and social stratification all had a hand in splintering the fabric of Jewish society in the homeland. Yet there remained a tenacious sense of chosenness of the Jewish people and trust in God's deliverance. Nonetheless, the diverse experiences of various Jewish groups and disagreements over how and when God's deliverance might come resulted in an even more factitious religious climate. Throughout this series, I've had the pleasure of collaborating in some way with many excellent podcasters, fellow historians, authors, broadcasters, contributors, and history groups. I've posted the entire list of these wonderful collaborators for your perusal and enjoyment on patreon.com slash markvinette, along with a few of my audio comments on the world of podcasting exclusively made available to our lovely Patreon members. I'm Mark Vinette. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age. Taking Calotrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calotrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, Text history, that's H I S T O R Y, using the code 30605.